it's it's love you do put your love into the ice cream looking back it was the best decision of my life well 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 here we are at another episode of the ramos law difference makers podcast where I, your host, Dr. Jim Hoven, get a chance to meet with amazing people doing cool and wonderful things and making a difference every day. And today is going to be one of the sweetest, and I mean sweetest episodes that we have ever done in the 150 or 160 plus episodes, because today we're talking ice cream and I love ice cream, Tom. Today I have with me as a guest, Mr. Tom Kinney. He's the owner of an ice cream shop here in uh, Denver called McGill's. We're going to talk all about it, but there's so much more to this episode, you guys, besides just the product of ice cream. It's the purpose. It's how the business is run. This is going to be a great episode. So if you love ice cream, stay tuned, listen, and share it. And if you don't love ice cream, but love business and love mission and love values, stick around, listen, because you're going to get a lot from this. So without any further delay, I want to welcome Tom to the show. Tom, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I got to tell you, I've been a huge fan of yours for many years without ever even knowing you. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> yes. we. My wife and I found McGill's many, many, many years ago. And, and the interesting thing about it for us is it has played a part in our lives that has varied. And so for those that are listening to, and you and I talked about this offline as we yeah. were preparing um, for those of you that have listened and followed the show for a while, um, we lost our son. It'll be 10 months ago, uh, coming up here next week. And following that tragedy, the place we went to for our comfort food mm -hmm. <laughs> to help us literally, it was therapeutic eating and I don't recommend it as a diet, <laughs> <laughs> but we ate a lot of McGill's because we knew that there was a place where the atmosphere was so like home, mm -hmm. the people working there, the young, most of them young kids were so friendly and wanting to serve. And then the, the ice cream itself was, it's not, it's different. It's so rich. It's so full of, you could, it's, it feels like it's made with love. And so it helped us deal. But prior to that, we would go there in beautiful summer nights as a way to anchor a great day, a great event or a great summertime. So it has really played a role in our lives. So as we get started, this has been just a treat for me to have you, um, you know, agree to take time out of your schedule to come talk about this. But tell us, first of all, how did you get into the world of ice cream? Sure. Well, and, you know, going back on your point, that's why we're there. Um, whenever I'm in, you know, working in the store and all of a sudden we go up and make someone's day, it just makes it all worth it. So that's, it's like right now in my career and my life, that's like the most important thing to my wife and myself and our family is that we can give that to somebody. So it's something we try to do every single day. We make someone's day if they're having a horrible day, but especially in your situation, which is obviously a drastic situation, it's kind of our role and that's one we like to do. So that's kind of what makes it still a happy part of the business. Yes. Um, but yeah, I started at McGill's. You want my McGill story? Please, please. So I started when I was 15. Um, which is, you know, 25 and a half years ago. And how did you find it? You lived in the neighborhood. You were looking for a 15-year-old job to make a little extra cash. Yeah. Or you knew someone there. So, I, yeah, I, I went to a private Christian school where my mom was one of the principals there. Oh, what school? Uh, it was called Christian Fellowship. Okay, because I went to a school called Silver State Baptist. Oh, yeah. And graduated in 1985. Okay, So it would okay. have been a little before... Yeah. A little before you, but not yep. too much. No, not too far. Right. Um, so, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, that name rings a bell. So we probably played yep. you guys in sports or something. Yep. Yep. But yeah, so I, I went to that school um, and my best friend started working at McGill's when he was 15. 
And so, you know, I've been doing babysitting and dog walking and every job that you can all do. All the cool is, stuff. Yeah, all the cool stuff is you're a kid. <laughs> you know, whoever will hire you and give you money is it worth cool it. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he started working there and, you know, he's telling me about this great ice cream job. And so I joined with him. You know, I applied and I got the job from the owners that bought it from the McGill. So there was a second owner that was running it at the time. And I started, you know, there working with him, essentially more of a social thing to hang out with him and, you know, some other friends. It was a very small operation. There was like seven or eight employees. And was it in the same shop as it is now? Yeah. So same the, size too? Uh, no, okay. much smaller, okay. much like a third of the size. Okay. Um, but that's where the McGill's opened in 81. Got it. Um, but yeah, so I, I joined and started working there and, you know, we messed around like 15 year old kids would do, ate way too much ice cream. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I've been there ever since. Wow. And so did you work there through, um, like obviously through high school, yep. did you work there through college or did you say, no, I, I know the business side. I'm not going to go necessarily to the official college education. I see where I'm wanting to go. Or how did you now translate that from working there to now owning the place? None of the above. None of the above. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I was pretty much all through high school. I worked there just to have extra money. Um, and then when I started college, I actually went to Metro State University, yes. uh, Metro State College back then. It's changed a lot. But um, I started there, and I was still working at McGill's. Um, I did look for other opportunities at that point when I was going to college just to make more money. And my boss pretty much promoted me and said, we'd like you to start running the wholesale business and take over you know, a bigger role. So when I was 18 years old, I started you know, running the wholesale department to a certain degree and the production team um, that we were starting to grow. Um, and I went to school at Metro and after two years in my sophomore year, um, my boss came to me and said that he had another opportunity and he's looking to sell the business and it kind of fell into my lap. And, and you're how old? I was 20, 20 years yes. old. And I don't recommend anybody bu buying or starting a business when you're 20. <laughs> um, you will make so many mistakes that, you know, the good thing is you learn from all those mistakes and you're young. You got time to recover. You do have time to recover, but I mean, just giving me the keys to a business when I was 20 years old was insanity. Yeah. Um, but luckily I've made every single mistake in the book. And by now in my forties, I've learned from all those mistakes. Yes. Um, but yes, yeah, so I bought, I bought into the business when I was 20 years old and I pretty much thought of it as an opportunity to make my hours to, you know, I, I wasn't really even thinking about it as a career. It was more of just too good of an opportunity to pass. And as I was going through that process, I kind of enjoyed it. And I did it all through college. I graduated college and I decided to stick with it. Wow. So you finished college yep. and then you're with the, the business. So when you originally bought in, you bought into the business, but that didn't purchase it straight away or did you purchase the whole purchased thing? it straight away? Okay. Yep. And so how was that for you as a college student with the rigors of you got two years under your belt, that junior year can kind of sometimes be a little, that's kind of the sure. max one. And then your senior, depending on how it goes, did you find that? And how did you navigate running a business and learning whatever you were learning in college. Was it business that you were yep, studying? Yeah, I was studying business. Did that help you? Um, the, running the business helped more than the education. But <laughs> That's the what typically happens. Yeah, but the education was great um, because it gave me all my you know, concrete foundation in terms of what to do with the business. Um, but I was lost. I mean, I started the business, um, you know, September 11th had happened. So I was kind of thrown into a situation where things were going okay. And then they started to go poorly. So it was really grueling. It was a really tough time in my life. Um, being a new entrepreneur, entrepreneur, um, trying to get through college. It was just hard. I mean, I would literally work, 
I would go to school three days a week and I would work seven days a week and there was not a whole lot of time for anything else. So my, my college experience was a lot different. I still had a great time and hung out with friends and everything, but it was more focused on, you know, I'm going to work until the store is closed and then I'm going to go hang out with friends and then I'm going to go back to the store in the morning and make ice cream and then run the store. So it was a very trying time. Um, That's amazing. The resolve and the resilience. Did you have that? Did you know you had that in you before you started or was this something that you know, you're like a, a military person who went to op starts, man, missions <laughs> on and you just got to get through it. You know, I, I didn't have it in me at that point. Um, and I didn't have a choice. You yeah. know, you were kind of pushing up against the wall and it's like, okay, here's, here's the hand you're dealt. Let's go. So I had to learn resilience, but no, I don't feel like I had it at all. I mean, I think most entrepreneurs don't quite know what they need until they were put in a very difficult situation like that. Right. So that was something that I learned literally overnight. It's like, okay, here you go. Here's where you're at. I remember sitting out at the kitchen table with my mom and I was like, things are brutal. They're hard. And she's like, well, go dig yourself out. Wow. <laughs> now what, what was your support system at that time? If you were looking at, you know, was, was your mom or your parents, were they part of really helping you go through this? I know when I started my first practice, you know, once, once I graduated Cairo school, graduated Cairo school, I went and did a, where I shared space for a year and then I had an opportunity to buy my first little tiny practice right on Wadsworth and Hamden. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right where that is and uh, tiny 700 square feet. And my mom was, was my backer. Yeah. Right. She helped me get the money and then she was my biggest fan, but she wasn't in the office and you know, like it was all that, but she was part of my support system along with my family. Sure. Did you have that same sort of system? Exact same. My mom was my support system. My dad was very involved as well. Um, you know, he's a business guy. He loves business. So we still talk business on a weekly basis. Um, and, but my mom was my backer. She was the one that stepped up and said, okay, let's go for it. And if I had a recommender to do that again, I would have said, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but obviously, you know, looking back at a longer term approach, it was the best decision of my life. And hopefully she's very proud and happy as well. Yes. So she still comes in on a regular basis. The, and the has team some ice cream? Her. Oh, of course. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I think everyone comes in to have ice cream. You know, yes. they, they say they're coming to see me, but at the end of the day, they're coming to get ice cream. Yeah. But hey, hey, good, good to see you, Tom. I'll have the uh, super <laughs> strawberry, please. Exactly. Yeah, they do that as well. Um, but yeah, she's still in there, does a lot of our banking and, you know, comes in and, you know, I, she lets me rant or she'll pick my brain about certain things. And my dad does the same thing too. He's very yeah. involved mentally with me too. That's so, so good. And yeah, do you have story. children? We have, I have three children. Are any of them old enough to work in the store? And if they do, how do you feel about that as a business owner teaching your kid work ethic and all that stuff by working in your own store versus not? What are your thoughts there? Sure. So I married into two. Um, my, my wife had two children when I married her, okay. a 10 and 12 year old. Uh -huh. um, and my oldest son actually worked for the company um, over summers. Like he would run our delivery truck and he actually helped, you know, with all kinds of stuff in the business. Um, so he was involved. Um, I think it's important to let your kids do what they want. So I never would push any of my kids to get into the industry unless they really wanted to. Um, I have a 12 year old daughter, um, especially over the last few years in the pandemic, she was around a lot. She did remote school for a long time yes. and she would do school in one of the offices there. Wow, so at the shop. yeah. And oh. she would, you know, when she was like 10 years old, she was answering the phone and she loved it. Every time the phone rings, she would just get excited to answer the phone. So she's very involved, um, in terms of seeing what goes on. But at the end of the day, she still makes fun of me and says, well, you get to scoop ice cream every day. So she <laughs> still doesn't say, whoa, whoa, whoa. quite know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what she doesn't know is just like when, um, 
when a rock star or a football star, when their kids are younger, they don't know they're a rock star or a football star. Right. You, my friend, are a rock star. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> in, in the make people feel good world. So she's going to see that. But what you got to tell her, I'm an artisan. I'm making right. these things. I, what do you mean scooping? No, I make them. Right? Yes. A whole different deal. Yeah. Do, do you have um, a thought process as you guys go into making ice cream? Tell us what it's like. What's the process like of making ice cream? And then I know that when we talked on the phone, you'd said that sometimes you guys will make up flavors sure. that are not there. Walk, walk us through that process because to me, it's fascinating. All you ever see is ice cream at the end of the road. Right. right? Pick it out of the store, come get it from your shop. But I know there's a process and not all processes are created equal. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, our process has evolved over time. Obviously, when I started there, we had a process and we fine-tuned it. Um, and we're still, like, working on things to make it better. Um, but you know, we get all of our dairy locally. We actually buy from Royal Crest dairy. Um, it's like an all natural, very old fashioned base, um, that we've kind of, we kind of created with them when we started doing business with them and they come twice a week. Um, generally on Tuesdays when our deliver Mondays, when our delivery comes, it was produced on Friday. So, you know, you'll look and it's like three days ago, the process was being made. Wow. So it's as fresh as it gets. Um, and we're making it every single day at the store. Um, so that's the difference in my opinion is how fresh our product is. Um, we don't have a lot of the extra stabilizers and things in our ice cream. Like you'll get at a grocery store. Obviously they're shipping it across state lines and yes. it's sitting in a lot of different freezers and it's going on trucks and you know, you're getting it three months after it's produced at McGill's, you're literally coming in and it's being made maybe even the day before, you know, there's mm -hmm. days where some people will come in and we'll be out of a flavor and we'll say, well, we just made it today. It's not quite ready to serve. Yeah. Um, you know, and when people come in, we give them free samples of like the fresh stuff off the machine, especially our staff, they come back and they're like, Hey, can I try that one? Yes. Um, but yeah, we, you know, we start with our base and we add our ingredients to it. We make it all by hand, 10 gallons at a time. So it's literally still by hand. You know, we have a couple ice cream machines. Um, I still make ice cream almost every day because it's by far the best part of the job. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe helping customers is the best part, but behind the scenes in terms of what I do on a daily basis, I still love making ice cream. Yeah. And what, what do you love about it? Um, you know, it's satisfaction. You know, the fact that, it, you know, I love filling inventory. I love when we're low on a flavor to go in and have to crank through, you know, X amount of gallons of ice cream. Um, because I know they're going to a happy place. So I'm like a process person where I enjoy, you know, making something to fulfill something for someone else. That's so cool. Yeah. Now when you're going through the process, so walk us through it. So you, you come in and you buy, you get the dairy stuff, mm -hmm. milk or whatever we're talking about. And then you put it in with like a, some sort of a, a thickener or because you got to get a do you get a base ice cream everything starts from a base and then you add the different flavors to a single base or are there lots of different bases yeah so our base is just a cream milk and sugar base essentially with a couple extra ingredients we add after the fact when we get our base and then yeah. you just like blend it kind of thing yep we throw it, it into a big ice cream machine it okay. makes 10 gallons so it's not actually big compared to the market but 10 yeah. gallons at a time we okay. can make about a gallon a minute off this machine wow um so we'll make one batch of ice cream and like if it's mint chocolate chip we'll add like though cream to menthe or whatever the flavor would be. And then we'll hand layer chocolate chips and stir in chocolate chips as it comes off the machine. Give it like that old fashioned look and feel. Yeah. And, you know, you said something earlier that I still say every day, we do make our ice cream with love. Um, you know, a lot of the big places, they'll throw everything in the machine and it comes out like perfectly uniform. You know, part of the fun of homemade ice cream is to have it look a little unique. Yes. 
um, you know, so people come in and they can see, oh, wow, that was made by hand. And there's something to be said about adding like the hand love to the ice cream. Um, it, it does taste better. And it, it there's really... no really reason to say that. Um, <laughs> but when you sit there and you make small batch by hand, it, it's, it's love. You do put your love into the ice cream. And you know what's incredible about this um, is when I was, you know, I've been to the store many, many, many times. And the number of flavors available that you can pick up, you're not just serving the people like me that come in and, and grab it and eat it there or right outside your front door on all the benches with the music going, mm -hmm. right? There's a lot of people that are coming in just to grab stuff. But then also you guys on this, on this, we'll call it almost throwback style of making it mm -hmm. with love by hand, 10 gallons at a time, you guys are shipping like you're playing in the big time, yeah. but you're, you're acting small playing big, right. which is a really unique business combination because that's what people can connect to, right? right? They, especially these days, it seems like as people have this social consciousness of where's my money go, what are they doing for the environment? What are they doing for other people? There's a consciousness. And so to have that, that, you know, big time play with small town, home feeling, homegrown spirit to it is a, I think it's a brilliant combination. So it's interesting how you've been able to master that given that you have one machine. Right. It's not like two machines, got, oh, two, two machines. machines. Yeah. Okay. They're identical. So, you know, explain that. How did you, how did you leverage that to get sure. into all this, this market? Well, share? and my wife is kind of the brains behind the operation to a certain degree. She helps me with strategy and marketing. And we've always wanted to keep McGill's to be a local Lakewood homemade ice cream community service shop. Um, that's the most important part of our business. We care about the Lakewood community. I was born and raised in Lakewood, so we really care a lot about that. So that's huge for us to be able to do that. Um, but in terms of, you know, we like to sell to everybody. Obviously, wholesale is a huge part of our business as well. Um, but we still like to have the small town feel. Yes. Um, but, you know, we do sell all of our ice cream to, you know, to wholesale customers all over the state. Um, and that's something we love doing as well because we can serve their communities as well, um, in a different way. Do you get feedback outside from, Oh yeah, like, I'm sure you get feedback all day long from the people in the store. Do you get feedback of people that are buying it out of a, a convenience store sure. or a coffee shop? Yep. What do they so say? Just last week, um, we had, uh, two women came into the store and they said, we just spent, we're from out of town, went to Estes park for the week and we had the most amazing ice cream up there. And we tried all the ice cream up there and we, we just want to keep trying ice cream. All of a sudden it became like their passion for the trip. And so they went online and like, we're Googling the best ice cream stores in Colorado. Fortunately, we were at the top of that list and they came all the way from Estes park on their way to the airport to try our ice cream. And they said, this ice cream is like amazing. It tastes just like the ice cream we had in Estes park. And I said, well, it's cause it was. <laughs> Um, so they were like, oh, wow, we, they were shocked. They got a double shot of it. They did. Yeah, they got, but they were completely satisfied with that. Yes. Um, but yeah, so we have a lot of people that say, oh, I had this flavor, so-and-so place. Um, and, you know, that's where a lot of our flavor ideas come from. Our wholesale accounts are like, you know, we want a flavor like this. Can you make this flavor? And a lot of them are horrible, but a lot of them are excellent. Yeah. And that's how we've created a lot of our flavors. You were asking about that as well. Absolutely. A lot of I our wholesale customers and our retail customers are saying, you know, you should make something like this. Um, so that's really our innovation is just by listening to our customers. So if you're innovating like that on the product side, 
do you, you, you make 10 gallons at a time, but you don't know if that 10 gallons is going to be good or not if right. it's a new thing. So can you scale it down and say, oh, we're just going to try this much on this flavor to see if we should move it up in, in volume or is that how it works? No, we can, but we decide to just go for the full batch. The full batch. It tastes better when you make it in the 10 gallons. Oh, it does. It's hard. It's, there's a science behind the ratios. it. Kind of, yeah, because there's you know tons of different ratios and we could go into deep ice cream talk if you ever want to, but <laughs> um, it makes a better product if you make a full batch of 10 gallons at a time. So if we're going to take a shot at a flavor, we're going to either blow 10 gallons of ice cream and have a scoop of it and throw it in the trash or it's going to be a big hit seller. What, um, what's one of your epic fails that you thought was a great idea or someone else put in uh, and when you tried it, you're like, yeah, I mean, there's a ton of them, you know, <laughs> we, we have some people that come in and they want to make certain flavors. Like I remember, you know, one of the successes was, um, there was a bar that wanted us to make Guinness ice cream for them. And I'm like, Guinness ice cream, you know, I'm, I, I enjoy having a Guinness, but really with the ice cream Yes. and it took off. And it they did? sold it at all their pubs. And did you literally put beer in the ice cream? We did, yeah, just for the flavor, obviously. Yeah. Um, and you know, so there's been a bunch of flavors we've tried. You know, sometimes when we have one of our ice cream makers making ice cream, they'll make a flavor and they'll mess up a recipe, and they'll be like, "I totally messed up a recipe," and it's amazing. So we've had a few flavors, like you know, like a chocolate cinnamon. Like they were making chocolate and cinnamon on the same day and actually added cinnamon to the chocolate, and now we have a chocolate cinnamon ice cream. So there's some that have gone well. Um, you know, we had one customer who wanted to make like a, a smoked peach ice cream, which sounds really interesting. Interesting. But you take a spoonful of it, in my opinion, it just tastes like smoke. So <laughs> More smoke than yeah, peach? Yeah, so we just decided to just do peach ice cream. Um, but that so was what one. happened? He orders it, do, does he pay for it? <laughs> they did, yeah, they actually, they bought it, and they seemed to like it. Okay. They didn't order again. <laughs> one round. So one round, but that was one that I thought was a little out there. Um, so but, you guys will do a custom order if someone says, I would like blackberries, blueberries, and bubblegum. Yeah. I mean, that's that one we probably would say no to. <laughs> um, but, you know, a lot of people that order our ice cream cakes can customize flavors like that. And our poor cake decorator comes back to me and she's like, well, I'm making a huckleberry cotton candy cake today. And I'm just like, that sounds there terrible. <laughs> um, but people order, like that's a good way to, to do it is ordering our cakes because you can put two different flavors in a cake. And, yes. But some of the combinations that people come up with are very interesting. Well, so yeah, there's always fails. I will <laughs> tell you um, that I tried when we were there just recently, last, not this weekend, but the weekend before mm -hmm. last. And I had tried one that looked new to me and I can't remember the name. So you might have to help me if you remember it. But it's a mint, but it's not mint chocolate chip. It had mint like, like I don't know if it was Oreo, but mm -hmm. some kind of cookie in yep. it. And it was unbelievable. Well, and speaking of that flavor, we made it for St. Patrick's Day. Yes. We called it Shamrock Cookies and Shamrock, mint. that's what it was. And yep. it's literally a mint-based mint ice cream with just chopped Oreos. So it's very basic. Yes. Um, so we made five tubs of ice cream. Um, which like, that's like two batches roughly. Okay. Um, so we tried it just for St. Patrick's day. We put it out like a week before kind of promoted it. And all of a sudden one of my shift leads came back and said, are you going to make more cookies and mint? She, and I, she's like, we're out. And I'm like, no, no, no. I made five tubs. We're fine. Um, I'm not inventorying that ice cream because <laughs> it's just, it's just for us. And I, I'm digging around our freezer trying to find it. And we ran through five tubs in like days. Yes. And I said, well, that was just going to make one run, but I'll make one more run. And now we, it's going to be a staple. It we was, may have to change the name, Yeah, <laughs> but it, it was amazing. Thank you. Amazing. And I've loved the, um, 
the Huckleberry. Mm-hmm. I love that one. And I really enjoy, there's a, it's a super, it's called a super, Superman. Superman. Yeah. That was delicious as well. Is there, what are the crowd favorites? Or is there anything that just spikes up one or two that just people adore? Sure. Well, and it's funny because I always tell my wife, Jennifer, when I married her, her favorite flavor was chocolate. All she wanted was chocolate. Every single day she would get chocolate. Finally, I'm like, you got to get outside of your normal here. <laughs> so finally she's explored. But me personally, I've been locked into Sleepless in Seattle. It's a coffee flavor with chocolate mocha chips and it's, it's incredible. It's a, it's my wife's favorite okay. and our next door neighbor's favorite. There you go. Yep. Yes. Yeah, so that one's definitely one of our best selling flavors. Um, you know, salted caramel Oreo is huge. Um, even the basic ones, cookies and cream, cookie dough. I mean, for the kids, cotton candy, Superman, we have a blue moon that tastes like fruit loops. Um, I had a customer who came in yesterday. He's like a 55 year old man with his two kids. His kids both got like vanilla and chocolate and he got cotton candy. <laughs> there you and, go. And I'm like, is it cotton candy for you? And I hand it to him and he just immediately started diving into it. Like it was a childhood favorite. So, wow. um, you, you know, um, a business is, it's made up of many things and predominantly if we break it down, there's a product, which mm-hmm. in your case is ice cream. But then there's your process on how you do it. And we've talked a little bit about that in, you know, just at a very high level. And then there's your people. Mm-hmm. And when you put those things together, that's where you create culture and that's where you create magic. I'm interested to go now a little bit into the side of the, the business side and the culture because you have a very unique um, environment there. It's, it's not meant to be modern, contemporary, everything latest and greatest, whiz-bang. It's meant to be old school. You guys have been in business over 40 years, Yep. right? And so when you go back, it, it would be akin to me to if you've, if anyone watching or listening has ever been to like a Gunther Tootie's or one of those cafes, how there's just a, it's nice, it's wonderful, but it's meant to be a different era. Sure. That's what it, McGill's feels like to me. And then you have the games on the table, right? That people can play, whether it's uh, Connect Four or Jenga or whatever. And you see families together they're not just eating ice cream. They're making memories. They're playing games. And then you have the trivia going up on the, the, the screens about little fun facts about everything but ice cream. Right. <laughs> so talk to me about the importance of building a culture. And then we can break that down into the people sure. and the process. So, you know, it, it kind of happens on purpose. Um, a lot of new ice cream companies or new ice cream shops open up and they have good ice cream and you go in there with your family and there's three tables to sit at. It's very, I mean, it, it fills up on a busy afternoon or evening instantly. So <clears throat> one thing we created um, probably about a decade ago is an environment where people could come be together. Um, ice cream is just the fun part. It's a reason to get people in the same room, but we have seating for about 75 people. Um, we've and it's crammed. bench seating. It it's, is. It's like there's so many varieties. It's yeah, so wild. It is. And that's on purpose too. So good. And it's, it's fun to see, you know, the senior citizens that come in sometimes at 10 a.m. for ice cream. Um, they sit in a different part of the store as the teenagers and the little kids and the families. So we do have different areas for different types of people and that's purposeful as well. So having that old style fashion is totally on purpose. Yes. It's not just hodgepodge together. It's completely, we do it on purpose. And it's so well done. Thank you. It was, you can tell that it's planned out and that it's, it's the, the culture when you're now let's move into, so that's how the people get to enjoy it Mm -hmm. when you're, so you created the space intentionally, super important. What about the people? How do you, do you, look for a certain type of person yeah. to 
fill whatever roles that you're looking for at the store? And what do you look for? How do you screen them? How sure. do you know that they're right for McGill's? So that's my favorite and least favorite part of the job is staffing. And obviously over the last few years, staffing has been extremely tough. Yes. And we're currently in a culture where it's hard to get good people and people have to settle for, you know, less talent. Um, we haven't had to do that, fortunately, and we're not going to do that. Um, I interview a lot. I enjoy talking to people. I like getting background on people. I enjoy just being social with people. So I interview probably 10 to 15 people per one hire. Um, a lot of places they hire if you walk in the door. Yes. Um, You're we're the first looking, one. Let's go. Right. We're yeah. looking for a specific type of person. And the great thing about the youth of our world today is you can tell almost immediately if they're going to be amazing or not the right fit. And that's something that is really easy to figure out. So yeah, we're definitely looking for very outgoing people, people that care about McGill's. Um, one of our interviewing questions is what's your McGill's history? And if they say, oh, I don't know, I've never really been there before, they're probably not the right person because we have so many people who grew up in our community who have always wanted to work at McGill's. Like we have 14 year olds that say, I've been wanting to work at McGill's for 14 years. Wow. Um, so they're gonna be the right person when they're old enough to work there. So yeah, we do a very heavy screening process. We're very careful and delicate who we hire. And the people we hire generally stay with us for a long time. Is there a good um, training program too? I mean, it, yeah. people might just say, training, what do you mean? The only training they need is forearm exercise <laughs> training from all that scooping, but it would make sense that there's like, there's just not necessarily specific scripting, but there's elements that they need to ask every client. There's a way that you go about your business. Is there a training program for yeah. these young folks? Absolutely. We, we try to hire people that are natural in um, a customer service environment so they can talk to people because we're not going to be the script place where you walk in somewhere and, you know, say the exact same thing every time. Yes. Um, you know, like there's a lot of businesses that you would know. They always say the same thing to you when you walk in the door. We like to go deeper. And if a little girl has new shoes on, we comment on her new shoes. You know, like yesterday we had two kids that they're twins. They share a birthday. And I'm like, well, let's get you a birthday cakes and like come back and you can watch me write on the cake. You can tell me what color you want. So we try to, that's the most important part. And we can control the quality of the ice cream because that's, we've been doing, I've been doing it for, you know, 25 years. That part of it, we have nailed down. Um, making sure our team is treating every single customer great is really important to us because when people are coming into McGill's, like we were talking about earlier, generally they're doing it for a reason. Um, it's like a special thing for them. Yes. And, you know, yesterday I was dealing with all kinds of stress behind the counter because that's all in the background where no one sees it and I'm the one that has to deal with a broken dot, 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 or fixing something or dealing with a customer who's mad at me for not getting a tub of ice cream they ordered or whatever the or challenge leaky roof is. Or yeah, leaky roof or overpaying a tax payment or, you know, our payroll didn't process early enough or all the stresses you deal with in business that just happens. You know, it's part of our world. The computer system is down or something. But yesterday I was dealing with all kinds of challenges and my shift lead came back and said, we need your help. Two buses just pulled up and this is at like, you know, noon on a Monday um, and all of a sudden, or what Tuesday, whatever day it was. And I'm like all frustrated that I have to go up and help. And all of a sudden, the minute I walk up front, um, it's a bus full of special needs adults. Oh. And they have been planning this field trip for all week and they're so excited to be there. And you know, it's busy in the store. We have wholesale customers waiting to pick up their order. And you just have to go into a different mindset and say, they're here, it's special. 
I want to make every single customer feel special. Fall in love with the moment. Exactly. And you have to literally, I tell our team when you see a line out the door, which happens very regularly around there, just focus on the four people in front of you because you can't help the people back there until they get to the front and make it worth their wait. Um, but that's, it constantly reminds me of how important it is to be in the business because my headspace changes as every entrepreneur does on a daily basis, but getting it back into that headspace of we're, you know, we're not saving the world there, but we're saving people's days and we're making every customer feel like as important as they want to be treated. Amen. So just yesterday we were doing that and you know, these people were having a hard time even talking through flavors and just sitting there and smiling with them and just, connecting with them in that 30 seconds you have was super important. And did they stay, did that group of oh, folks yeah. stay? And, and how was it watching them? It's incredible. Do now enjoy what they've gotten and they go through the process and they order it and they get like, were their eyes as big as oh, kids? Yeah. Like as yes. big as mine get before oh, yeah. they start eating it? And almost every customer comes in, if their eyes don't get big when they walk in the door, they're just unhappy. <laughs> if you can't smile at an ice cream store, or McGill's for that matter, you're just an unhappy person and yeah. we'll try to make their day better. And generally it is. Um, but yeah, just watching them interact with each other and the people that do that on a daily basis that are, you know, there's four people in charge of like 35 special needs adults. I want to make their day too. Yes. They, they have a very stressful job and you know it's definitely an amazing job and the people that do that job so we're trying to make their day as well where we'll take care of them and say it's your turn you've helped 35 people get ice cream what do you want and they you know they're not there for that they're there to serve so just kind of going into that headspace of how can i make that person's day better as well is the deeper level which we try to train our team on and how do you go about auditing how the team is doing because I've been there when the line is out the door mm -hmm. and they somehow managed to keep their cool. But I can imagine that requires some sort of touch points mm -hmm. with them on an ongoing basis. Cause if you do that over and over without someone reminding you or about refilling your cup somehow pretty soon, you know, after a month or two or two years of that, it can start wearing on you. For sure. So how do you guys do an ongoing refresher or training or culture dip or whatever you want to call sure. it? Sure. So I, I try to see every employee at least every other week, which sounds like not very often. Um, but I do try to communicate with our team. Um, I care a lot about every member of our team. I mean, like we talked about, I started when I was 15 years old. So I've been there. I've done what they're doing on a daily basis. And the day goes by so quickly for them. It can be a five hour shift and you literally feel like you're there for a half hour because yes. you're just constantly running. And then all of a sudden at the end of the day, the customers are so gracious tipping our team that that's like an extra incentive. They just smile. You know, that's like the applause that the customer is giving the team member at the end of the day when they get to have gas money for the week or they get to go, you know, spend money on whatever they need. Um, so that's a huge motivator for them. But in terms of keeping in touch with them, I'm talking to them. You know, I'm looking at the sales from the night before and I go to bed at like 9.30 at night. So they're still working when I'm yes. in bed, sleeping. And sometimes they'll wake me up and say, hey, we need you for something. Um, but I can't keep up with them in that moment. But a lot of times I'll talk to them about how it went. You know, if I know they had a, a line out the door for three hours, I'll say, you know, you did an amazing job because they did. Um, and just constantly keeping up with your team is really important. Um, I try not to get over-invested because if you get over-invested with your team, it get, becomes emotional and you start making different decisions. So I try to keep a little bit of a balancing act when talking to the team. Um, but I do care about them. When they graduate, it's amazing. Um, we have one girl that's coming back to work this summer 
that we haven't seen in three years. And she's graduating college. She's been out of state. And she called me up and said, I would love to come back to McGill's and work for two months. And she was amazing. So that happens to us every summer where we get team members that come back. Like they'll go through high school with us. They'll go to college. And in the summertime, they'll come back and scoop ice cream. That is amazing. Yeah. So now let's switch gears again from the culture side of the business to what you alluded to earlier, where things in any kind of business, just like if someone's watching or listening in any part of our life, something goes wrong. There's stress. This didn't work. My refrigerator broke. Sure. Something happens. And you know, when you don't have a good refrigerator, then your food can go bad right. or you know, you're, you break something. How do you deal with stress? What's your stress management strategies and techniques that, that you use in your business that people might be able to take and use in their life? Sure. Well, luckily I've dealt with 25 years of stress in the business. And for the first like 10 years, I didn't know how to handle it. So we would have a problem that would come up. Um, it was so overwhelming because I didn't have the financial capacity to hire a team at that point. So I was doing every single job. I was wearing every hat from helping the customers to talking to the IRS about an overpaid tax payment, you know, whatever. Um, so there was no safeguard. The fires were always happening. The plumbing would get backed up. The freezer would break. You know, we had to throw away an entire freezer full of ice cream, which that's the worst thing you can do. Yeah, that tears your heart out. It does. And, you know, one thing that I've learned in business is if you keep putting out fires every single day, you're just a firefighter. You can't actually get forward. So a, a famous quote is kill the arsonist. Mm -hmm. You know, find a way to not have fires happening on a daily basis. They'll still come up, but generally it's new fires. Um, so every time you have an issue, you try to learn from that issue and try to make sure it never happens again. Um, so that's my biggest thing as an entrepreneur is trying to make sure that you're not dealing with the same issue over and over again. So, you know, do maintenance on things. If a freezer's breaking, um, it's like flying an airplane with one engine, you're going to crash. So if you have two engines in every single freezer, if one goes out, you land the plane and you fix the other engine, but one engine's still keeping the ice cream cold. So that problem has been extinguished and it'll never happen again. So if we have a freezer that has one engine running, it's fine. Um, but I'll definitely be on the phone getting and the other one fixed, getting the other one fixed. So learning from your mistakes, I think is something that people think they do. Um, but at the end of the day, they just take care of the fire, they put it out. And then all of a sudden it, it happens again, six months later. Mm. So that's one thing that I've been constantly working on, um, trying to get our processes in order so that I'm not having to put out those same fires every single day. That's a really great piece of advice. And, and that goes into, in business, super clear, super translatable. In personal life, to me, that breaks down to what are your habits, right? Mm -hmm. are, how are you sleeping? Right. How are you eating? A little ice cream aside, it's all sure. good. Absolutely. Um, how is your exercise? Mm -hmm. How is your mental and your stress uh, management patterns? Like, do you have something before you need it? Because right. if you're waiting for your first heart attack to start exercising, that's both engines going out. Absolutely. And now you got a problem. Right. So I see what you just said is super transferable. And I think that anyone listening can, can benefit from that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about um, how, the, how the business goes in directions when you're setting goals. Because mm -hmm. again, another transferable concept. Like, for example, right now is the business in a state of, we just want to maintain and keep serving and doing what we're doing. We've, we've mastered the universe that we want to master. And now it's a matter of just fine tuning and keeping things where they are or 
is the goal on a, a next level? Open second store, move outside regionally. What, what does it look like for McGill's? And sure. Food? Well, and another foundational piece that I'd like to share as well is routine. Um, you know, most people that have a 40 hour week job, their routines are the same and they get so bored of their routine. But from an entrepreneurial perspective, I think routines are the most important thing. So every day of mine, I try to make look very much the same. So you always start the day at the same time, you go to bed at the same time, you eat at the same times, you talk to the team at the same time. So that's one huge thing that I've learned in the last 10 years is developing a routine personally and with the business is something that I think is really important. So, and that does help with goal setting. Um, so right now, you know, the last few years have been very interesting because we had huge goals, you know, pre-pandemic and mm -hmm. we still have huge goals now. We had huge goals through the pandemic. Um, Jennifer and I are, my wife and I are very goal oriented. You know, if you, if you're not sure where the target is, you'll never hit it. So we have tons of goals. Um, right now we, we have opened a second store in our, in our history. Um, in Littleton, right by our home, and we were open for about three and a half years, and it just it, it didn't go like we were hoping. We weren't in a stage of the business that we wanted to be at. Um, it taught us everything. So it was the greatest investment we ever made. You know, whenever you open something and lose money and learn from it, it's hard to be like, oh, that was a good investment, but it actually taught us about our business. Um, we love Lakewood. We love the community. Um, even more so now, I think growing up there, you appreciate, you know, everything about your childhood. Um, but the last few years, our, our customers are amazing. Um, they were the ones that pulled us through. So our goal is to keep serving our community for the most part. That's the number one goal. Um, continue to grow the store, um, but not necessarily for like profit reasons, more we're at a stage in our life where we want to continue to give back. Um, so right now our goal is obviously we want to sell more ice cream. Um, and then this past winter we've had, it was very cold. Yes. Um, there's stressful points in that. Yes. I mean, you know, from a business perspective, it's very stressful when it's hot and you can't keep ice cream in stock, which happens for a good chunk of the year. Um, it's the same stress when it's negative 10 and snowing for an entire week straight. And you're just hoping that customers start you know, coming back in because it could be it could be scary to not have any sales for a while. So there's different stresses there. So our goal is to, you know, make sure we're just keep doing what we're doing right now. We're not looking for crazy growth. Um, we've had opportunities come up and we've kind of shied away from them. Um, but we love our life. We love what we're doing. Um, it's a very people give back a lot when you give them stuff. So just you know, people are so generous to us that we want to continue to give our generosity, um, do things for the community and just really care about our team um, and our customers. That's kind of our goal right now, to be honest with you. You know, speaking of generosity and giving back, part of what you guys talk about on your website and you and I have talked about it is um, the way that you do that. And a big part of your process is through fundraisers. Can yep. you walk us through what, um, how you give back, how you structure, how you choose who to, to, to give back to and just what that looks like. Because giving back is so, it's important at the personal level and at the business level. And, you know, in, in some faiths and sure. religions, they talk about God blessing those who give and you can't outgive God is one, one tenet. And in other ways, it's, you know, sowing and reaping, another type of the, of the religious philosophy. And in others, it's karma, like whatever you want to say. For sure. How do you guys go about that? What's your thought process in giving? It's easy. Um, we love giving. It's the best thing you can do with your time and your money. And 
we have a product that 99% of people want and enjoy. So giving away ice cream is, it's the best part. Obviously we can't give it to everybody or else we won't be in business. <laughs> yeah. Um, or you won't be giving any more. No, nope, we'll be no done. Business. Yep. I'll be doing something different, but you know, with fundraising and with schools, um, a lot of times we'll get an email from somebody or someone will walk in the store and say, Hey, I've been a customer for X amount of years. We're trying to raise money for whatever. I mean, it can be tragic things that happen. It can be uniforms for their football team. Um, it can be a church wanting to go on a missions trip. Um, we love supporting organizations like that. Um, but we kind of go to the next level in terms of when people come in and say, well, we really want to check. We're like, well, that's going to be hard for us to do. Um, cause then we have to give checks to everybody. So we'll say, well, let's do a fundraiser for you where you can actually raise money. Um, so, you know, one of our best fundraisers is in-store fundraisers, um, generally it's to the elementary schools, you know, back to school night or something like that, um, where they'll buy ice cream and sell it, or we'll do some donations. Obviously we do a lot of donations. Um, but just, that's a way of giving back to the community because ice cream is such a great thing to give people because it's not just ice cream. It's about bringing people together. Um, and you know, we do a lot of stuff like that. That's beautiful. Yeah. So I have one more question for you. This, I could talk about this a lot. I'm just getting warmed up <laughs> yeah. and you know, we're, we're a good piece in, but here's what I want to want to ask you. Obviously ice cream aside, the, the life and business lessons you've shared with us aside, dealing with stress aside, is there one piece of advice that you've been given or that you've learned along the way that has become fundamental in how you and your wife, Jennifer, and how you guys do what you do, um, that you would want to pass on to me and to our audience so that we can now incorporate that into the fabric of our lives? You know, I mean, a lot of things come to mind. Um, I guess the most important thing is just be content. Um, that's the thing that I've practiced my whole life. I was taught it as a kid. I was very independent growing up, um, being content with what you have. Our culture has taught us to overspend, um, to want more. Um, we are so content with our lives and our business, um, that we get happiness in so many ways. Um, I think people are so caught up in social status and things that make them feel better. Um, but I think just contentment in general, that's just the first thing that came to my mind. I mean, I have about 20 things I could talk to you yeah. about, but that, that's just the one thing that came to my mind. Um, we're content with our team, with our staff, with, you know, and being content doesn't mean settling. It means you know, not wanting more, not wanting too many things. Um, so that's kind of one thing that I like to practice in my daily life is just being that. content. Yeah. And you know, I think where you really hit on home hit home with me on that point is, um, contentment, satisfaction, happiness. Those can all be uh, kind of similes where they're like each other, but they can be very different. And it depends on how we individually define that because in your, in your statement of contentment, for sure, but you, what you didn't say is, you know, just in our last topic, you wanted to grow and sell more ice cream. Mm -hmm. So you can be content where you are while you're pursuing your dream Absolutely. without letting the outside distractions take you off mission. The things that you have to have that aren't really have to haves at all. Right. They're just things that are shiny objects and, and being able to navigate that I think is so brilliant, man. You've done a great job. Um, I'm telling you, you, you bring joy. I know you know this, but I'm just telling you from one on the other side of that counter, those, those young folks that are serving, make a difference. You make a difference. The shop makes a difference. And it's been wonderful to talk with you 
Um, if anybody wanted to reach out, learn more about McGill's or learn more about how you started a business or anything, what would they do to just kind of connect with McGill's and, and with you? Sure. Well, I mean, I tell everybody who's about to open an ice cream store because we have a lot of wholesale counts. I always say, come in, come into the store. If you want to do it over the phone, you're probably not the right person for our brand. Um, come in, ask for me. You know, I'm there a lot. I still love going to work. Um, I'm there pretty much every day. I don't work as many hours as I used to because I like being around my kids and my family and my dogs. Yes. Um, but, you know, coming in and just having a conversation, um, Jennifer and I love giving our unsolicited free advice, which is worth what you pay. <laughs> um, but, you know, we've, we've been through a lot of ups and downs and we've learned from a lot of things. We're still learning. We're still going through that process. But I love talking to people in any situation in their life. And, you know, you learn a lot from a business. You learn a lot from just dealing with people, from ha having customers come in, from talking to your team and your staff on a daily basis. You can always learn and educate yourselves. And, you know, we're at a point right now where we love helping people because they've given us everything. I mean, our community helped us survive the pandemic. So yeah. we feel a debt to every customer that walks in the door to give them every single thing that they need in that moment. So that's something that we still think about on a daily basis. Let me tell you one way you guys do that. That's unique and amazing. So my wife and I go in and again, we also try to be um, guardians of our own bodies and our own health. And mm -hmm. so obviously, you know, you can't eat ice cream for every meal, even though we tried it <laughs> as, as uh, you know, therapy. Right. Um, but one thing your team is always so great at uh, unsolicited love from me to them is I'll say, I want a single scoop but can you divide that up into two flavors? Sure. And they do it. And it just, it, it makes the experience so good because instead of having to buy two scoops and it, the money's not the issue, sure. right? But I don't need that much of a great thing becomes not a great thing for right. me. So to be able to try two different flavors in one, it's a small thing, but it's a huge thing. It's a huge thing. So that kind of customer service, man, I'm telling you, it's Thank amazing. Thank you. Well, and it's something that we put effort into as well. Like everything we do there, it's not just random. We're very strategic. Um, and when you come in and get ice cream, you're not getting a little scoop of ice cream. No. Nobody wants a little scoop of ice cream. You go to a lot of places and you're like, that's it for 450. I get yes. that. So we are generous in that way as well. Great value. Um, because people don't want to come in and get shortchanged. So we don't sell very many triple scoops. We don't sell as many double scoops. People can't handle it. It's a lot, <laughs> but we don't want, I mean, and that's another thing that's important to us is anyone can go spend money on ice cream. For a lot of struggling families, it's hard to go on a cruise with your family or take them to a tropical destination, but you can still come get ice cream. Yes. And we've tried, and that's something that we constantly are told is, well, you probably need to raise your prices. We have raised our prices, obviously, in the last couple of years because we've had no choice, but we still want the value to be there for our customers. And we would rather serve a hundred more customers on a daily basis and make a tiny bit less on the end just to have that many more people happy. So that, I mean, just saying it out loud makes me happy that we're able to do that for people that keep us in business every day. Oh, well, I'll tell you, what, I'm going to still keep you in business. <laughs> this has been a wonderful time. My wife, Sean and I, again, we adore um, your place and what you've created and your vision and your dream. You're a type of Disneyland to us in, in our own way. And the chance to now 
hear it from you, the, the business owner and how it's gone and developed. The story has been amazing. So Tom, thank you for joining me. I hope, uh, I hope that I get to see you at the shop. I won't bug you. I promise. When we <laughs> you can come bug in, me. I, I won't go, Hey, get Tom out here. He's yeah. our type. We're, we're good <laughs> yeah, friends. Yeah, you know? yeah. But this has been wonderful. And I really, really wish you continued success. And you always have a friend here uh, at Ramos Law with us. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I hope everyone watching or listening enjoyed the show. Again, if you uh, got as much out of this as I did, please share it. Please send it around because it's all about making a difference. And not only is Tom making a difference in his life, but you can make a difference too. Look for ways to make a difference. And if there's a type of guest you want, let us know and we'll find one and we'll have another great show. So Tom, thanks. Have a great day and we'll be in touch soon. Thank you. Thank you.